All right, the divisions have been decided. Champions are about to be crowned and legends born like Taylor Heineke. But what about you? What's in it for you? I know. It's your time to win in the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year. Maybe your team had a good season. Maybe your team had a bad season. How about you have a winning season in January? My bookie, the industry's leading online sports book and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. Thousands of lines to bet on your favorite sports. NFL, NBA, college basketball, check, check, check. MMA, soccer, check, check. They've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, basket, touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use promo code ZABE when you make your first deposit. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. The best part is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, your laptop or on the phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid on the games you knew were going to end up the way they did. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, a deep dive on bad guys on TV shows and what separates great shows from the all-time greats. I'm getting my PhD in The Sopranos, and I've got a very important lesson. Glenn Yotis, director of the Ed Reed Foundation, our guest today. We'll talk Stefan Diggs, plus that audio I promised on Dwayne Haskins. All that, plus a Rona Roundup. A glorious and absolutely free of charge. Bonus 45 minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up, man. Let's go. Here we go. Wednesday, December 30, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Let's get going. You know, one thing that has been a godsend for long car rides, especially long car rides with the family, are two things. One is Apple earpods or the earbuds of your choice. I put one earpod in my left ear. I keep the right ear open lest I miss an important instruction from my significant other, my bride of 24 years and counting, to slow down. Because those do come from time to time. So the right ear is open. I can hear directions on how to drive from my wife. And I can hear about any other requests or comments or crises with the girls in the back. In my left ear, I am listening to podcasts. Maybe a podcast like this one. What, do you listen to your own? No, I don't don't listen to my own podcast, but I'm just saying. Podcasts plus ear pods are the godsend of long car rides with the family. They actually make driving easy. You get to where you're going. You're like, oh, we're here already? I was just getting into this podcast here. And there's many, of course, out there. And I appreciate you being a subscriber and a downloader to this one. So I've been listening to the Talking Sopranos podcast with Michael Imperioli, who, of course, played Christopher Moltisanti, Chrissy, Chrissy, along with Stephen Sharippa, who played Bobby Bacala, a guy whose cut is so big, so huge, and it's all right in front of him. Anyhow... First off, I could listen to their accents all day long. 
That's number one. Secondly, the ball busting between the two of them is great. It's really, really a great listen. But the fascinating inside scoop on the series is what makes it insanely great for a fan like myself. And yes, I am rewatching The Sopranos. I am taking notes. I'm going to buy all the books on The Sopranos. And I'm now listening to this podcast. Like I said, I'm going for my PhD in The Sopranos. I would like to have a PhD in about four or five different TV shows so I can be super duper expert on everything. And I can, in an instant, recall what line, what scene, what episode, what year. Why do I want to do this? I don't know. It's a hobby. It's just, I feel like doing it. So they're doing an episode review on season three, episode eight or something called University. And it is a brutal episode because it involves an innocent little fawn of a stripper by the name of Tracy getting brutally beaten to death in the episode. I'll let the podcast pick it up from here to talk about what this particular episode really represented. This is interesting because it's kind of a standalone episode. It's not really building on the tension of the mob surveillance and Uncle Junior stuff. Well, the uh, only thing it's, but excuse me. I, I, it's Melfi stuff, yeah. Uh, not, it's Melfi and it's also Meadows. Meadows. Meadow stuff. and Noah. That's a continued storyline, you know. That is, but but in terms of the mob stuff, it's not so much of the. Yeah, it's a standalone. You know, like, like I, it is a standalone, like college was. Yeah, in a way, I thought you know, like I we we brought up in in uh, with Ariel is, it was very shocking when this aired. A lot of people canceled their cable, um, but. Uh, According to James, it said David wrote the brutal death of Tracy as a response to those who criticized The Sopranos by saying it showed it kind of glorified or, you know, you know, glorified the violence or, you know, and Chase uh, apparently felt personally hurt by those comments. And he really wanted to. And, and also the fact that people by now are really in love with these gangsters. And it was important to just to say this is what this show's about. Well, it's also, it's also, uh, look, I've always said it, you know, the mob, they just don't hurt each other. You know, if they just hurt each other, okay, you know, it's, 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 it's in their group. They rob, they steal, they kill each other. But innocent people are caught up, just like this innocent girl that we see, which has nothing to do with the mob. And, and, and there's a death there. And this happens a lot. Also, America, and this is the American way, they build you up. To fucking knock you down. So the Sopranos are the greatest thing since fucking sliced bread, season one, season two, and it turned. And you know it turned. You know? Well, everything uh, does. That's a, it's the American way. It's, it's, it's right. with bands, it's with singers, it's with right, actors. You, you, you could do no wrong, and then you, you're the shit, you're a clown, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's how, that's how it is here. So yeah. you get ready, because when they're all over you, you the, the, the fall is coming, one way or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating stuff. And there's several points to this I want to tease out. One is... I love the fact, first of all, I, I don't know how many people canceled their cable, as Michael Imperioli insists. I'm canceling 
all of my cable. Maybe you canceled The Sopranos. But maybe you just said, okay, Sopranos is a bit too violent. Or maybe you canceled HBO. Sopranos is a bit too violent. So let me go ahead and, uh, and back out of that. Let me just, or just not watch HBO would be one way to do it. You don't have to cancel. There's so much good stuff on HBO. Oh, by the way, sidebar. I went to, because I wanted to go watch this episode again, and instead of getting out my Blu-ray discs of The Sopranos and popping it in, I was like on Apple TV going, okay, I know I got HBO here. And of course, HBO's app for watching their product then morphed to HBO Max, HBO Go, HBO Now. I think it's now just all bundled under HBO Max. But I had to go Google. How do I stream HBO if I already pay for HBO on my cable or satellite bill? And boop, search. Did it give me the right answer right away? No, I still had to go digging for it. But I kind of figured out HBO Max is the new catch-all app. So I got all that configured, and I went and I watched the episode again. And it was fascinating to watch it again and see everything. And yeah, I had that pit in my stomach about, Jesus, this is brutal. And you know what? That's what makes the show great. Hall of Fame great. You had to feel a little sick in your stomach during parts of the show for it to translate to you in a way in which it jumps off your TV screen and jumps into your head and jumps into your gut. Otherwise, it's just a silly little show about Jersey mob guys. Hey, do God, do hey, whoa, just out there whacking guys and you're not bought in. And there were many other unbelievably realistic, chilling and brutal scenes that immersed you into this world. But I also love that they tell you that David Chase was like, hey, I don't want America to fall in love with these guys. These guys are the scum of the earth. You think you're in love with them because they, oh, they're kind of funny and okay, Tony's not such a bad guy. He's a family man. No, no, they're all bad guys, the worst guys. And thank God David Chase took that chance. And thank God HBO let him take that chance. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, in today's woke culture, would this be allowed to happen again? I don't know. There is a fascinating way that great shows give you monsters, so to speak, and how you end up fearing these monsters in a way, even though it's just a fucking TV show and you know it. For example, Deadwood. Al Swearingen was the original monster in camp. You're like, Jesus, this guy's crazy. He'll he'll smile, he'll be nice, and then he'll get you up in his office and pull out a knife and cut you right there on the floor. But then a, another guy came to town in the form of Cy Tolliver, and he was even worse. Left a guy with smallpox out in the woods to die. And he didn't. Spoiler alert. I can't spoil something that's damn near 20 years old now. And then there was an even worse bad guy, an even scarier bad guy who came into the show in the form of George Hurst, the, the San Francisco gold baron 
who would do anything, including burn the camp to the ground and kill everybody with his hired guns if he didn't get his way. And each step along the way, you're like, oh, that guy's even ooh, that guy's even worse. And that's what makes shows great. Game of Thrones, King Joffrey, the boy king who used prostitutes for target practice with a fucking crossbow. Do you want to see that? Of course not. But if you're going to get that sense of, oh shit, this guy is bad news, you have to have scenes like that. The Mountain, chopping a horse's head off with a broadsword or crushing a guy's skull like an egg. Lord Walder Frey, or is it Frey or Fry? With the so-called Red Wedding. I know, I'm nerding out right now. Ramsey Bolton. The scenes of him flaying people alive on a cross, upside down, is something you can't unsee. But guess what? Necessary. So that every moment he was on the screen, when you're watching that series, you're like, oh, fuck, this guy. Jesus. And when he finally gets fed to the dogs, spoiler alert, you're like, yes, that's the way it should be. Somebody's calling me right now. I did not put my phone on silent. It's away from me right now. Hold on a second. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm not going to edit that out. You don't, it doesn't matter. Adds to the granular authenticity of the podcast, right? That's what I thought. Breaking Bad. Oh, and then in the end, Cersei Lannister in the end stages, vowing revenge on everybody, the way that she killed uh, the two sisters. The, the I forget the names of them. Well, you're not that much of a nerd if you forget the names. Bad guy after worse guy after scarier guy after bigger monster. That's what makes them great, these shows. Breaking Bad, Tuco Salamanca. Holy shit, this guy's a bad guy. And then you meet Gus Fring, who was more calm and cool and serene in a creepy kind of way, but oh, Super bad guy. Then Jack Welker, the lead guy in the biker gang that was cooking the meth. Oh, man, he was worse than all of them. And then at the end, you're like, wait a minute. Walter White turned into the baddest guy on the show. Anyhow, just got to thinking about bad guys on TV shows and what it takes for a TV show to be great. It has to make you uncomfortable if it's a drama or if it's something like that. I'm not talking about comedies, obviously, and that's a whole separate thing. But in terms of The Sopranos, I found that very interesting, uh, that little excerpt there from the Talking Sopranos podcast. Oh, by the way, whatever happened to the girl who played Tracy, young Ariel Kylie? 20 years old at the time, she was a guest on the podcast, and here's what she said. I saw something about how what I wanted wasn't, I wasn't going to get it from fame. I was going to get it from learning how to be more and more myself, which had nothing to do with whether or not I was a famous actress. And um, that really, that really, that question, like the right question at the right time from the right person made me really rethink, like, do I love acting? Is this my calling? And I had to admit, like, no, I love being a part of Sopranos. I have a performer in me for sure. Like, put me in front of 500 people, let's do it. But, 
but that wasn't my calling, especially in the industry as it wow. was then. It did not feel safe being in the industry. And, and so how much longer after The Sopranos did you stop acting? I quit acting maybe like a year and a half later. After wow. The Sopranos, I, I immediately got the big agents and the big managers. Like suddenly it was like boom, boom, boom. People were making calls for me. I was in LA. I was like testing for pilots. I was meeting Aaron Spelling. So all this stuff happened really quickly. And um, at the same time, I was disappointed. And I've watched some of the interviews on your podcast so far. And people like, after you're on The Sopranos, where do you go from there? And I was, I mean, I'm 20 years old. I fall into that kind of like hot chick category at that time. Like the quality of the projects I was going out for was embarrassing. And I, and the industry itself was humiliating to be with what was going on with the energy from producers and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. So I quit and went back to school. Well, I'm glad that you found out early. I really am. And you seem like you're very happy and you're doing great and uh, good for you. Yeah. Good for her. How about that? Not a big star, not even in the business. I think she said she had a yoga studio or something like that, uh, that specialized in helping people deal with mental health issues. And I say good for her. All right, time now for my man, Glenny G. Unit Eunice, director of the Ed Reed Foundation, former Sirius XM radio host, sports talk host, and the Lord of Baltimore. Enjoying his Christmas break, but not too busy, right, Glenny, to pick up the phone for me. Big jaunt to Rehoboth, where my family has a house, and uh, always make time for the Zabe cast. Thank you, buddy. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> last night, the Buffalo Bills just put a hurting on the New England Patriots. And man, they have got a squad this year. And I want to talk about yes. Stefan Diggs, who now leads the NFL, I believe, in reception yardage and touchdowns. Don't quote me on that, but it's something like that. Basically, he's blown up this year. And he, he and Josh, shut up, phone. Did you hear that? No. No. It was, it was the warning. I've only got 10% left. I think we've got 10% of a phone call here. So anyway, okay. probably, it probably came over the podcast anyhow. So, uh, so yeah, so Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are making sweet, sweet music. And I kind of thought, Glenn, that Diggs was an overrated malcontent in Minnesota. It turns out, nah. Old, you know, safety first Kirk was not the right gunslinger for him. Well, you know, it's funny because wide receivers are all divas. We know that. And maybe he does have a little bit of overrated malcontent in him, does Stefan Diggs. But football players that are the real deal, as we've talked about before, they know the difference. And I think you said it on a prior podcast. You were like, you know, Cousins has that all shucks, good old boy, overachiever sort of like but it's not quite enough, you know? And I think maybe, you know, I'm, we're guessing here, but I think Diggs might know that. He might be like, yo, like, Kirk's good, but he's, like, too much of a, hey, skipper, like, Eddie Haskell, you know, <laughs> yes. like, the beaver, uh, overachiever, and whereas Allen's a dog. 
and and I think Diggs is a dog, and they, they you know they like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean he's he's a beast. I I text my buddy last night. I go, I want the Bills to win the Super Bowl, and he's like, No chance, KC. And I'm like, Connor. I was like, <laughs> I'm not saying who's going to win. I would like to see the Bills win. Yeah. By the way, humble brag. Uh, I posted when the Bills clinched the division. I posted a picture of me, and my wife, and my buddy Brad on the field with the Bills the year that Ed was coaching uh, for with Rex Ryan and the Bills there a couple few years ago. Oh. And I was like, yo, throw back to, you know, throw back congratulations to the Bills. Yeah. So, you know, you slide it in every now and again. And I bring it up to say you can be a traveling uh, influencer radio douche on Twitter. It's fine. People want that from you, Zabe. Don't qualify. I didn't post my travels back from Wisconsin because they didn't want to be a Twitter douche. They want you to be a Twitter douche. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of my New Year's resolutions, to care less about what dipshits say to me on social media. They're not even real. It's perceived what they're going to say. You're not even, they're not even mad at you. You're thinking they're mad at you. Who cares? Fuck well, them. and some will be douchebags. I'm too sensitive to the douchebag criticism. I need to coat myself in the kind of, you know what? I'm just sharing with I'm sharing with you because I here's the thing I have to be yeah. comfortable with the fact that I am a public figure. That's correct. Still, all these years later, really? I'm, yeah, I'm still not totally comfortable with it. Oh man, my wife hated it. It's one of it's not the. I mean, you you and I have talked about this at nauseum. Well, how in the hell did you get to your level and leave? I just you know there's a million reasons, uh, and it's all good. But my wife hated that I was on the air, and especially and you know my career. I was with you for a bit. Uh, Baltimore is the smallest market I'd ever been in. And I became very popular there very quickly because it was a small market. My wife hated it. Oh my God. Hated it. Hated it. Hated Why? It. Uh, cause I would talk about her, make fun of her on the radio oh. when we were dating. Uh, I mean, I don't know why that <laughs> well, would turn her off. <laughs> hold on a second. I think I found it. I think I found the problem there. Yeah. I think we may have stumbled on the why, but no, Zabe, you've been, Super, super famous. We've been famous for 25 years. I mean, dude, it's fine. It's fine. I'll do more. I'll do more self-promoting. Good for you. By the way, one of the great tragedies of this year is that Bills fans have missed the whole season in person. That Bills Mafia has not been reveling in this run. And you might say, but they're they're set up to do it again next year. Eh, Every year is individually. You never know. Yeah. Look at the Ravens. They're barely going to make the postseason after last year blowing everybody away and barely, you know, and, and tripping up against the Titans. So, you know, you're uh, amen. One last point to, to, to Zabin, Shana Zabin, real quick, because I know we're on a time frame here, is they taught us years ago, 1% of the audience uh, in, engages with us. The other 99% are added, just, you know, happy to watch and sit on the sidelines. Right. Let's say it was social and media and all these other things, it's cranked up to 10%. 90% of your fans want this stuff and aren't going to say anything. The trolls, screw them. Who cares? You're the man, post whatever. Okay. That's what I say. All right, very good. By the way, one more thing on the Bills. Yeah. Last year in the playoffs, Josh Allen played that crazy game against the Texans in which it devolved at the end to him like running around in circles, throwing yes. backwards passes. And it was like, okay, I just don't know if I'm still into this dude. He has made another big leap forward into yeah. a guy who is a badass. Like you said, he's a dog. And there was the most skepticism about him coming yeah. out of college of all the Wyoming, quarterback right? prospects. Yeah. Yeah, Wyoming, and and the fact that he was raw, his completion percentage, his accuracy was not very good. I was stunned when he came into the league about how good a runner he was for a dude his size. 
But there's Same. a lot to be said about the fact that they said, hey, this guy's got the arm to throw missiles through that cutting, freezing wind in yeah, upstate true. New York. And, man, it looks like they got it going on. I'm happy for the Bills. I'm happy for Bills fans. I wish there was fans in the stands. I'll be quiet, quietly on the down low rooting for them in the AFC. Well said. Agreed. Well said. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting about if real people that can sense real talent can say, all right, is this guy ready now? No. Can he get ready? Can he prepare? And I'm leading into our other convo. Can he study? Can he learn? Yeah. All right, I can work with that. I can work with that. And that's the point. Look, no one's no one's a finished product. We're not. None of us. I'm you know almost forty two. Sure, I, I'm learning more and more every day about life, business, sports, whatever. You're not a finished product at twenty two, twenty three years old. The difference is, are you Harry High School or are you coachable? Are you coachable? <laughs> and and it, I'm pulling out all the old school Zayd yes. like <laughs> Josh Allen's coachable, and he wants yeah. to get better, and he is well. I love him. You know what he is? You know what he is? He's about that life. And I bring this up because I saw a story today from Jason Reed of the undefeated ESPN.com. We used to cover the Redskins personally for the Washington Post and knows about the shit show that it is. And the headline, which is not quite always accurate to what the story is, said, you know, Haskins deserves blame, but he's not the only one for what happened. And I instantly rolled my eyes and I groaned. I was like, fuck that. This is 99.9% COVID survival rate on Haskins for being a douche. And so in the story, Jason Reed goes through the usual litany of all the dysfunction of the park and the team and the owner. And he's not wrong in general. He's not wrong. But in this case, it's all Haskins. But he has this quote. He said, um, I asked, I ran into a former prominent Washington player, said, writes Jason Reed, while chatting about the team, Haskins' name came up, said the former player, quote, he ain't about this life. Right. You knowing, that's all you, you need to <laughs> you know. You knowing players more than anybody, being around Ed Reed and others, explain to me and others what does he ain't about that life really mean? What is that life as an NFL player preparation study being a professional holding yourself to a standard getting in early leaving late watching film bringing in your receivers preparing with them talking to them on the sidelines talking to them on the field talking to them at practice talking to them before the game talking to them after the game mind melding as you said to me 20 years ago being in one that all that stuff, living, breathing, dying, sort of blinders and sacrifice to anything and everything else in the world, but to your team, to yourself, to your craft, and to winning. That's it. I don't that's know how good. else I can say it. No, that's yeah. good. And I would say, and throw this into the mix as well, when things are going badly, understanding that the criticism you're getting... It's part of the gig. It's not only just part of the gig, but you look at it like, well, that criticism doesn't hurt me because I'm more critical of myself then you would ever know. Yeah, right. right. I, I've already beaten myself up worse for this because I'm super pissed. You know, Rogers threw a pick late in that game on Sunday night. Yeah. Cross his body. It was only his fifth pick of the year. And I know he is so fucking pissed he threw that ball because he knew it was so against what his natural tendencies are. It was it was a risk he didn't need to take in a stupid play to make. That's the far that's the far throw. Cross your body right. other way. He's like yeah. forty. He's like forty-seven over five 
at this yeah, point right. of the year, right, right. and he's still pissed about it. So that's the life it takes to be good. That's right. Dwayne that's Haskins right. ain't about that life, and here's some <laughs> sound bites I'm going to play from the nine-minute GQ video about how I spent my first million dollars. You watch the clip I sent to you. It's on YouTube if you want to look it up. Before we get into the bites, <laughs> what is your quick net-net reaction to this? I would have never done this if I were him. I would have turned this down if I were advising him as Thank I do. With, with, I would have never done that. Um, he came off a little bit more educated uh, in terms of money than I thought. He uh, says all the right things, could, but well, that's then exactly his where actions go against it. That, that's exactly where I was going. He's smart enough to know what to say and play the game, but it comes off incredibly ingenuine. In in, fen- in fairness, the uh, the the segment was sponsored yeah. by some financial firm. Yeah, I mean that's do we look, Zabe? I I look at ten of these a week. Okay, I, I mean we did a deal with Snickers this year with Crown Royal with uh, IBM with. Uh, I mean, I, I look at this is what I do for a living. Sure. Fred, besides you know owning my own the media company and running the foundation and blah blah blah. I, I live this world. I talk to these producers. I probably know the marketing company and the lead that did this. I didn't, we didn't come to this, but so, we would have never done this deal. So Haskins, I would have never done that. It's right. tacky as fuck. Right. It is tacky as fuck. And he's not the only one that did it. Cause I saw another no, it's clip, fine, but I, I just would have turned it down. I saw Tua, Tua Tonga. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryaloa did one as well. Yep. And I and think Tua, he, I think he spent his first million on grass skirts. So that yeah. was quite all right. Just kidding. I and like I know Tua. too is I know too his people and we do business with them and I like them and he's they say he's a wonderful guy. Um it's the same people that, that rep um uh, 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 uh Houston Tech uh, Deshaun uh, Watson. Watson, down. thank you. Slow down. Get yeah. your get so, your feet, get your base. There you go. Get, your, get settle in, harness settle your in. teeth, uh, <laughs> and it's fine. But you know, also the math doesn't work out in, well, in his piece. So, so he hold on. So he probably got paid ten grand for this. Uh, something like that sounds about right. And by the way, uh, because it was sponsored, sometimes these aren't paid. We generally only do paid stuff because there's so much. Okay. You know, we get knocked ten grand. I would, fine, I would have never done this. Correct. Never. For less. You didn't, so just for the listeners, you said watch this and that was it. We didn't talk about, hey, Glenn, are you going to take this side or that side? 
but that was my first thing is I would never do this. No. And you said the same thing, so that's good. I mean, we yeah, were, no, you know. No, fine. This this just looks bad, by the way. So here here's a couple clips. Yep. Here's clip number one. We're going to play a game that I like to play on my morning show called <laughs> OK Stop. OK Stop. So when you hear something, you're like, OK, hold on. OK Stop. You need to interject. Just yell okay. out OK Stop. Here we go. The first thing I asked my agent, like, I'm drafting now, so when do I get paid? I got okay, stop. That <laughs> didn't take long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, ch- okay, when do I get paid? Calm down. You're in the big leagues. These are professionals. They're not holding your check for you. There's a system and a process. It, it, it's, it's, it's Harry High School. It really, it's just immature. By the way, I, I, I don't know if I've told you the story. You know, there's a story, rest his soul, Sean Taylor, when he signed his deal with the Redskins. Yes. They're like, where do we wire you the money? And he was like, he did I don't not know. have a bank yeah. account. Come on, what, what are you? So this is what you guys have to understand about these guys and the, their reps. They don't prepare them for anything. Sign on the line that is dotted. Let me get my commission and you're on your own, kid. When do I get paid, agent? Slow. No one told you. There's a whole schedule of all this stuff. Right now, Delmar, don't you have you talked to anybody during the draft process? <laughs> yeah, like right. your first, uh, I just got drafted. Where's my money? Whoa, whoa, chief, slow down. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're I still in a bowling alley. Of it away, thirty percent of it, I put in a different account, and I bought some stuff as well. So. Hold, hold the line. Okay, okay, stop. He said, he said, he said, he he goes through the buckets. And then he said, I put this away. I put that away. It equaled 100%. And then he said, and then I spent some of it. Well, that's more than 100% right there. Here, let me without stepping on it. And where's the taxes? uh, Hold on, hold on. Here we go. I put in a different account. And I bought some stuff as well. So we'll get into that too. So before we talk about my first million, it's very important that you save your money. And now that I made the money, by the way, it feels like that Shameless. that comment was well, like that comment was made. Like coach him up. All right, first of all, let's say this: save your money. My brother's uh, taxes. So like, I'm thinking I'm getting yeah all this money. So it goes, like, they they do the whole piece, and then at the end they're like, "All right, Dwayne, we need to pick up some lines here, and we're we're going to cut this in. So just say." Okay, before we get into spending money, make right. sure you save. Oh, that was great, Dwayne. Thanks so much. All right, here we go. And then they, yeah. Here we go. It's going to taxes. You got agent fees. You got all this stuff you got to pay for. Uh, I'm a financial advisor. So talking about finances, um, savings, having different buckets, he calls it, as far as having spending money, having saving money, having money put away for the long term with like three different bank accounts. Make sure you be smart with your money because at the end of the day, you don't make that money every day the rest of your life. Okay, good. That's good right. basic good. truth yep. right there. Yep. Yep. Now, uh, did yep. he actually follow that? <laughs> well, let's take a listen. <laughs> the first thing I bought after I saved my money, so make sure you save your chicken. I got myself a car. Make sure make sure you save your chicken, he says. That's that's in reference to the great Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. Take that's care right. of your chickens, man. Yeah. Uh, after yeah. I saved my money, so make sure you save your chicken. I got myself a car at my mama house. I got myself a Bentley Bentiago. It's a very nice car. I got a custom map black. Okay, Stupid. stop. Stupid. A Bentley. So I want a Bentley. It's on my list, <laughs> right? But I'm not getting a Bentley ever because it's stupid. Now, I know people that have made $40, 50000000 million a year, and they drive Fords and Chevys that played in the NFL. Some guys drive Bentleys and Ferraris. That's cool, but I think it's stupid early. Then again, it does hold some value. I think it's a bad decision. I don't think it's a terrible decision. But I also don't believe that's all. I watched this video. I don't believe. I think everything that he bought and everything that he cost is about right. 
but I think he's telling us half of the story. <laughs> There's a lot of other shit that he bought that he didn't mention on this. Oh, my God. Right, here, here, here's the Bentley thing, and then I got a, a comment on Bentleys for just a second. It's a yeah. very nice car. I got a custom matte black, red interior. It's my baby. called the Batmobile. It's my favorite car. And you can see that car right here. 200 200 years old 250,000 dollars right here <laughs> <laughs> that laugh drives me crazy yeah the laugh is yeah <laughs> it's so yeah <laughs> And then each team could see exactly where that money went I in love the it. six months prior to drafting. Because boy, I tell you, that that would go that would weigh in on the big board in so terms you, of whether to pick a guy. You know this, but that happens via the agent. So the agent advances players' money based on where they sure. think they'll get drafted, and if they're first rounds and, and you know surefire, they give them money. But a lot of that money, and this is why I say because I know this world. A lot of that money goes to training and, and, and workouts and all these things. And if you have a proper agency, they set you up with endorsements early and you get that money and blah, blah, blah. So he's not factoring in his supplements and his training and his private trainer. And he mentioned the quarterback coach. That's not free. They're not just giving you that. You have to pay for that. He doesn't know any of that. It's not counting his financial advisor, who I'm sure is fine, that fee. He mentions agent's fee. No chance he has any idea what it is. You know, he's made about $15 million guaranteed, 14 4 whatever my mother-in-law asked last night. My family's, you know, both yeah. sides are Redskins fans, in-laws and, and my, my my family. And and she's like, oh, well, he's set for life. My father-in-law look at her and go, Jane, what are you talking about? <laughs> he, 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 well, we're, we got more in this house than he probably does over there. In his house, she's like, what do you mean, $15 million? I go, all right, fourteen four, right? She goes, yeah. I go, all right. So knock that down to seven and a half. Take off a million for agent fees because they get they get their percentage off the fifteen mil. Right. So now we're now we're down to six and a half minus a few million bucks, and he hasn't gotten the rest of his deal. This guy's got a couple million bucks left. That's it. Yeah. He got three or four million dollars. That's the that's that's the number, and he's twenty three years old. Now, if you and I had three million dollars at twenty three years old, we might blow it. We might buy Bentleys. Maybe we secure it forever. But, bro. You yeah. got to tighten up. Yeah. Here was the story anyway. that blew me away. This was how he got hoodwinked out of a big dinner <laughs> from guys he was this is, training uh, uh, with. This is real, though. This is real. Oh, Ricky I, dinner's real. I know. Here we go. Okay. I got a funny story. So I'm training in L.A. I'm working. Yeah. Funny story. Except you lost <laughs> 20 grand on a dinner. Other than that, it's not very funny. I went to Sean Watson and a few other friends. Uh, Sean Kaiser and Manny Wilkins. Over my quarterback coach, Quincy Avery. And we're playing a game. And we're like, whoever loses has to buy dinner tonight. So, unfortunately, I lose, right? We go to some restaurant, and they run the tab up on me crazy. First of all, it was supposed to just be us four. They invited friends, family, cousins. There was like almost 15, 20 people at the table. I'm like, there's no way I'm paying for all this food. It was like almost $10,000. I was pissed. So, I didn't bet with them no more. Oh. Yeah. Okay, another thing happened. Rookie dinner. That's Credit like card roulette. In the NFL. Offensive lineman. We took them out to eat. And, of course, they ordered all the appetizers, all the steaks they can get. They do not want to go to Applebee's. They want to go to the best steak place that they can find. That was an expensive bill, too. It's something you want to do. Take care of your lineman. He block for you. Take care of you. Keep you off the dirt. And, you know, I'll do it again if I have to. 
I'll do it again if I have to. Yeah, uh, I mean, the rookie dinner is a real thing. I mean, those things, 50, 100 grand, because that's their hazing. That's their initiation. Whoa, 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 whoa. 50 to 100 grand? Oh, look at, go go do a Google uh, a Google or a Twitter search of, like, rookie dinner receipts. You'll see huge, but, you know, it's all the rookies chip in. It's not generally oh. just the first round. Oh, pick. okay. You know, it's I was like going to say. 10 rookies yeah. split, like, 50 grand or something, yeah. you know, I which mean, is still a lot. Yeah, exactly. So, so I got I got stuck in a credit card roulette game with Ed Reed and Derek Mason and a bunch of other players 15, 10, 12 years ago, whenever whatever the math is. We all played credit card roulette. There was, was like it, 20 of us. What was it for? How much? Dinner. We were just having how dinner. Much, oh. How much? A couple thousand bucks. Couple but, or seven? No, I mean, I, whatever. No, it wasn't 2,000 or 8,000. Yeah, There's a big probably, difference. Probably like 3,000. Okay. But. My boy, like Ed, like Ed and my boy Brad Schwartz, and and uh, well, you know, you know the Brads. Um, they slid me cash afterward, but we we all so threw you, in, and, and I lost. And I'm like, I lost. So I'm you like, lost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, I lost. How I mean, how does that work? I I only saw it once, and I didn't like it. How everyone you, throws their card in a hat, and and someone blindly picks out a card, and that person picks up the tab. Period. How do you know it's not rigged? Well, because we're administering it. Like what we'll okay. do is every everyone will put their – so the way we do it is someone has a hat or a bucket or a bag or something at the table, and we call the waitress over, and we put all of our cards in this hat, and the waitress picks it out, whoever it is, they run it. Yeah, okay. Well, the way I wouldn't trust the waitress because you know that a guy could slip the waitress – 500 bucks do it right there in front of us i know i know i know <laughs> i'll be very untrusting of it, it they to do me, it blind yeah to me it's so all it's, to me it's all downside it's no like i don't like i wouldn't be in a russian i wouldn't be in a dinner roulette thing going yeah i just want a free steak dinner i would just be like oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit i it, don't want to lose it is grand. oh shit it is oh shit because the the risk is not worth the reward one let's say it's well let's well, say my let, i'm just let's say the dinner's know. two 150 bucks you really want a free hundred and fifty at the at the expense of losing three grand? Forget that. No, you're right. It's if in fact if they did odds on the dinner roulette, then free dinner would be minus eleven hundred or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, right? Right. Like like you can bet games that are minus eleven hundred, but why would you want to do it? There's that chance that it could come up wrong for you. So, anyhow, last thing. This was him on his basement murals, which were the ugliest fucking things <laughs> I'd ever seen. And he was happy that he only got charged $10,000 from some guy to paint this shit on his basement walls. Shout out to Corey. I have like a whole bunch of like murals and like motivational things. I got to wait. For- okay, stop. Murials. That to yeah, me. I mean, yeah, I don't like they, that. It's it's hard. It's hard to. You have so many late fees at the library, as as <laughs> uh, as indicated in this video. You know, Zabe. I don't want to be a stickler this, for pronunciation of everything because I, I know that I fuck my own things up from time to time. But library. murals, murals versus murials. Murials. Yeah. I have like a whole bunch of like murials and like motivational things. I got a weight room. I have like five, six different. I got a, I got a weight room. Oh, great. Hey, Muhammad Ali, yeah. Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. I got Scott and Kobe mural. I got a whole like poker table. <laughs> yeah. I think part of it is, part of what rubs me the wrong way is they're all so fucking cliched, you know? 
Yeah, oh yeah. Totally. There's no Mahatma Gandhi. He's 23 Muriel. years old. There's, He's a kid. I know he is. He's a kid. Rappers with and a, a Scarface. And then, and then the one with the rappers. Listen to this. Both, like my favorite rappers with a Scarface. It's like Jay Z, Nipsey, J Cole, Biggie, Tupac. It's a dope piece. Dude, you're not hot in the streets, that Dave. That's why so, you don't know. You're not hot in the streets anymore. I'm worried to paint my basement. Zabe, you're not hot in the streets anymore. You don't know. So, so net net on this, he gets through all the spending, and he spent, according to the piece, which is what he admitted to, and who knows what else flew out the door. He said he spent like four hundred and fifty grand. The big chunk of it being the two hundred and fifty grand Bentley or the Batmobile, which will have a resale value somewhere close to two fifty, but not two fifty, right? No, 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 no. He'll lose on that. Okay, so he then said he paid five hundred and fifty thousand in taxes. I ask you, yep. is that right? I mean, for the one year, for the first year, probably, because he got an $8 million bonus. It seems low. Low? <laughs> it seems low. It, so, half a million dollars? No, but um, but they're well over paying half their money in taxes. I know they get taxed state, state by state. So these games in high-tax states like California well, the and New other York, thing is, is, fuck you good. Yeah, no doubt. But the other thing is, is that you have to remember how these guys get paid. He got paid on a signing bonus. Their salaries are pretty low. Those salaries weekly, those 18 checks are what gets what gets dinged on the on the road games. Everything else is Maryland, which, as you know, is Crush City, USA, very high taxes. Uh, and it's signing bonus. So he might live in Virginia. And that helps a little bit. But um, I don't know where I think I think the Redskins are Virginia, not a Maryland state. Even they play in Maryland. So that that's yeah. interesting to me. But a lot of Anyway, his bonus is what gets taxed the most. And, and we all know bonuses get taxed at almost 50%. So yeah. uh, that seems low to me. But he's just making this up. I don't I don't care what athletes spend with their money. It just drives me crazy when they're out of money. Me wantonly. I, you know, spend it, have some fun. I, I'm not trying to not let you be young and, and everything else. But, man, these basement murials... <laughs> looks so these basement murials of Scarface what is Scarface doing with a bunch of rappers by the way like playing that's, poker yeah like uh, here's all my favorite rappers and Scarface <laughs> okay and, um, and you know what I was thinking about this the other night while I was getting my hair cut I wanted to be playing poker oh you know what Gee, that's a great idea. I'll put that on the wall for you, bro. No problem. (laughs) Throw throw Scarface in there. These things look awfully stupid when you just got cut one week after hosting a stripper birthday party for your girlfriend. So, exit exit question, Glenn. Will the Wolfskins win in Philly and claim the division? I have no idea. My father-in-law seems to think he likes this Heineken kid. Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> the four Heineken. team XF X X XFLer. I guess. I mean, he's running around and he had one touchdown. He could have had another, but they're playing free Ben. Ah. Alex, yeah. Alex, Alex I'll will start. No. Alex I'll will start. No. He'll play a quarter and a half and limp off. Heine- okay. Heineken comes in and shits <laughs> the bed and they get pummeled for sport by the fourth quarter comes. And that's okay. it for I'll the season. This. That's my I'll prediction. I wish it wasn't true, but that's my prediction. If Alex Smith plays, they win. If he doesn't, they lose because because Washington. Because and Washington. Right. Because Washington. That's right. why. Glenn, you're the best, buddy. Back to your vacation. We'll talk to you in the new year. Happy New Year's, Dave. Thank See you, buddy. buddy.
I don't give a fuck about what any of you people say about Glenn. He's in the rotation now. Because you know what? He's good, and he knows his shit. I know he sounds like a hyperactive little kid. He's smart as fuck, and everything he's telling you and me on these podcasts is dead-ass true. He is not exaggerating any of this. So, just so you know, haters, and of course I get, the funny thing is I always get, you know, if I were to map all the, the, I don't like this guy, I do like that guy, it's all over the board. It, the rankings of the guys I have on this podcast are all over the board. They're kind of as a, I think maybe for 2021, I will start a Zabecast guest ranking system. Somehow, some way, somehow make it official. A points race to see who ends up on top at the end of the year. We'll make it, make it public. And then who's ever is on the bottom will be like, well, fine. I'm fucking not coming on this thing. You don't need to pay me, man. Fine. <laughs> Time to end on a little Rona roundup. And it's been a while. Some of you who don't like my opinions and my thoughts and my stance on the coronavirus are probably happy. But this is why I'm putting it here at the end. If you don't like my take, if you don't like my stance, if you don't like the cut of my jib, you're excused. You may leave like a Catholic in the back pew after communion. I'm just kidding, Catholics. I love you. I go to Catholic church once a year, usually at my in-law's house, and I'm always amazed. Like, wow, just wearing shorts and a, and a golf shirt. And where is he going? Things are not over yet. It just gave out. Oh, hey, amen. That's how the Catholics roll. So you are excused. But here is something interesting, and I'll play from this uh, YouTube account about the latest on Dr. Fauci and herd immunity. And what you're seeing right now is a full court presser for everybody to go self-flagellate themselves upon the altar of COVID-19 and sacrifice themselves up. To the Dr. Anthony Fauci, everybody. That's right. You even had a clip of Joe Biden and Dr. Jill Biden singing Merry Christmas to this man yesterday. You had CNN announcing that it was officially Dr. Fauci Day on Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve is racist, so they need to put this little fucking gnome gremlin in charge of that. We've got to change things up. But very interesting thing happened recently. The goalposts, friends. The goalposts are shifting, and Dr. Fauci is flip-flopping again on some of his rhetoric. I thought that was illegal, by the way. I thought you weren't supposed to be downplaying any of COVID-19 because that was like mass murder or something. But I guess it's totally fine when Dr. Fauci does it. Take a look at this, friends. We're over here at Zero Hedge. Did uh, Fauci just admit that he lied about herd immunity to trick Americans into a vaccine? Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Democrat-approved, quote, science and trust the science, appears to have just admitted to lying about COVID-19 herd immunity in order to goad more people into taking the vaccine, according to a new report in the New York Times. At issue is the percentage of the population which must require resistance to the coronavirus through infection or vaccination in order for the disease to disappear. Early into the pandemic, this half rogan tall fucking criminal repeatedly claimed that, quote, 60 to 70 percent herd immunity was required to achieve herd immunity. Beginning around a month ago, however, 
Fauci's estimates drifted higher to about 70-75% and more recently telling CNBC, quote, 75-80-85% and, quote, 75 to 80% So, uh, hey lefties, which part of this science am I supposed to be listening to where this prick is seemingly making up numbers as he goes along in this TikTok-induced, super-duper-for-serial, dangerous worldwide pandemic, the likes of which we've never seen before? Why do these numbers keep changing? (laughs) If we're just going to be, you know, adhering ourselves to some common sense... Why does the definition of herd immunity need a changing at this point? Why is this dude's numbers waffling as we get deeper into this nonsense? He's not wrong about any of this. And listen, if you're a Democrat or a liberal still listening now, that's fine. Welcome. It's good. We can coexist. You have to fucking admit Fauci is just making shit up left and right when he is not outright lying about whatever it is he does know. And the worship of him is entirely unhealthy. You can admit that, my liberal friends. Please admit that. This is unhealthy. And again, oh, what's herd immunity? 60%. Eh, 65, 70, 70, 80. Hey, now do I hear 80, 85, 82? And on down the road. It's just unbelievable to see all this unfolding. And the big question is, What happens when government tries to force you and I to get the vaccine? Oh, and they're going to try, or they're going to help use the big corporate oligarchy that enslaves us all, essentially, not to mention the airlines and leaving the country into forcing you to get the vaccine. What happens then? Apparently, Spain has said they're going to keep a list of vaccine refusers and share that, I guess, with certain agencies in the country. Where's the ACLU? Not that this is here yet, but it's coming, and you know it. The more important thing is, what is the way out of all of this? I don't know. I thought the election would break the fever. It has not. I thought vaccines would break the fever. They have not. I thought the new year would break the fever. And it doesn't look like that's going to do the trick either. Somebody tweeted, I went to buy a 2021 planner at Office Depot. Then I remembered, I can't even fucking go to a restaurant where I live. Amen. This is a huge, depressing problem. Not to mention the school situation for millions and millions and millions. But you know what? The parents with kids in school aren't fighting it. Many of them are happy about it. They're fine with it. It's amazing to me. We're coming up on one year now in which so many experts have been so dead-ass loud wrong to the great detriment of society and business and civil liberties and everything else. So much has been learned about this virus that is good, good. And so many politicians and health experts have been shown as bald-faced hypocrites by violating the very edicts that they are foisting upon the public. And yet, here we are. Pro sports leagues have not pushed back as hard as I would have liked. It's very discouraging. 
Parents, like I said, with kids in school have not pushed back. The Republican Party has not pushed back. Music and live event industry executives have not pushed back. Hollywood hasn't pushed back. Holy shit, people. Stand up and march. Stand up and speak up. I have seen the Barstool fundraising thing for small business. I think it's great. $8 million is a lot. Produced out of thin air, out of Dave Portnoy's goading and bullying and networking and everything else. It's great, but the problem is these businesses will be right back in trouble again in six months or maybe less if we don't open the fuck up. I kind of wish Barstool had raised $8 million to pay the fines of people who disobey or $8 million to hire lawyers to challenge these closures everywhere and anywhere they exist. But I'm afraid that too is probably futile. There was a headline in the LA Times, California officials running out of answers as to why cases continue to skyrocket despite ongoing restrictions. Running out of answers. Holy shit. You kidding me? The answer is right in front of your face, you dumb fucks. Virus, gun of virus. There's your answer. Oh, no, 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 no. That can't be the answer. That is the answer, you dumb fucks. So stop. Stop doing everything. Tell people. We're at the end of the road. We've done all we can. In fact, we've done more than we should. So stay home if you're at risk or scared. Otherwise, time's up. All right. For those of you who don't like that message, back to your safe space. Back to the world that makes you happy and calm and not so fearful of life and risk and everything else. For everybody else who has emailed me to say, keep it up, Zabe. I love it. Then there you go. Your latest installment. I will try to keep a keep my chin up and keep my hopes high and hopefully and, and try to believe that eventually the fever, and by the fever I mean the collective government and sheep fever of this fucking virus will eventually break and we'll get back to a normal that looks like the normal normal of, you know, January of 2020, one year ago. Not some bullshit normal of Where's your digital passport showing you've had the vaccine? Show me a negative test. Fuck you. I hope we get there. But we've got a lot of meh sheep out there who just are carrying the rest of us away with the tide. All right. We should have ended on something more positive. Don't have it for you today, but we'll do our best. Thank you very much for listening. Have yourself a great Wednesday. And we will see you next time. All right, the divisions have been decided. Champions are about to be crowned and legends born like Taylor Heineke. But... What about you? What's in it for you? I know it's your time to win in the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year. Maybe your team had a good season. Maybe your team had a bad season. How about you have a winning season in January? 
my bookie, the industry's leading online sports book and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. Thousands of lines to bet on your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college basketball, check, 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 MMA, soccer, check, check. They've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of my bookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, basket, touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use promo code ZABE when you make your first deposit. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. The best part is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, your laptop or on the phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid on the games you knew were going to end up the way they did. Bet, win, and get paid at my bookie. 